0: Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about, which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is talk about it most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our youtube page if you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com phenomenology club and in general to learn more about our club what we do and how you can become a member for only one dollar a month please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club thank you for listening Stay trippy. 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 Hello. Am I live? It says I'm live. Hello, and welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club. I'm Um, Basically, yesterday we did our first live call-in session, which I thought was really... I don't know if any of you have listened to it yet. It was a good time, and we'll definitely do it again. And I was discussing, we were discussing some various parapsychological phenomena, questions of manifesting, the paranormal, the psychic, the psychiatric. Maybe I'm giving us too much credit, because I don't know if we really discussed all of that. But something someone asked me to do, one of our club members, before I went on that live conversation call session was to discuss my experience with the dmt elves also known as the machine elves. shout out terence mckenna who i believe is the person to have uh, come up with this term and i totally forgot to detail my experience with the machine elves and i also was kind of flustered because i've never done live calls before and i wasn't sure how to turn it off in the midst of the discussion and like say some other things so i thought that maybe it'd be nice to do a little follow-up. Maybe you could consider this afterthoughts thoughts and concluding thoughts. Not concluding thoughts, actually, because we'll talk about concluding and the dangers of concluding in just a second. But some, uh, summarizing thoughts to yesterday's discussion. So, let me tell you my story <laughs> with the DMT elves. I actually have multiple stories. I'm a bit of a psychedelic enthusiast, maybe that has, um, calmed down a bit. In the past year or so, there was a time in my life where I was tripping, you know, I don't know, every other day for a while. I always have kind of bouts, uh, where I get super into psychedelics, and then bouts where I take, A break, I guess. Maybe I'm on a bit of a break, but that's also due to just having general access to things right now and being too lazy to go out and forage for my psychedelics. But, um, so I've smoked DMT, and the most curious thing about my relationship with the DMT Elves, my experiences with the DMT Elves, was that I actually didn't meet them on DMT, which is very strange, I don't know which story I should tell first. So the first time and the only time actually that I smoked DMT because it was so intense. I just honestly have not desired to go back. DMT is a strange experience for those of you who have never done it. I mean, have you guys done it? Have you guys smoked the DMT? people who smoke dmt know people who smoke semi-regularly you know that you uh, you have to smoke enough dmt to experience what people call breaking through to the other side and this is a difficult thing to accomplish because those of you who have smoked dmt will know that as soon as you take that first hit you are tripping fucking balls balls the first hit of DMT feels like the heroic dose of mushrooms. Like, as soon as you inhale, well, I don't know as soon as, but this was my experience with it. Pretty much as soon as I took that first hit, which it hits like plastic. Like, it is so thick and corrosive, and I don't know if that is just the... the specific batch i had because you know i know that dmt has uh, a curing process and all this i don't know maybe somebody else knows how to make it go down easier but the first hit i took everything turned into fucking a mosaic painting like my entire field of vision just became instantly fragmented and my friend who i was looking at looked like an alex gray painting it was ridiculous and he's like keep going you have to keep going it felt like a like a psychedelic drill sergeant screaming at me because you know you're tripping so hard already but you have to take i had to take three massive hits To cross over. So after this first hit. Which I was already like holy shit. I feel like I'm on the Heroic dose of Shrooms. I could still put it together that I had to keep going. Because someone was yelling at me to keep going. So I did. And then honestly I don't remember. I don't know how I was able to even manage a third hit. But it happened. And then I broke through. (laughs) And it was quite an experience. I... Basically, I don't remember what the transition was like. And, you know, if you were looking at me as a person not being on DMT, observing me, it essentially looked like I had passed out. You look like you're kind of unconscious, Uh, depending on who you are. Other people might look like they're kind of dreaming, having a fun dream. This other girl we were with was like squiggling around on the floor like, hee hee hee. I only saw her after I came back. (laughs) She looked like she was having a great time. I wish that I had had a great time. But basically what happened was, I remember feeling after crossing over, like I had lost all semblance of self, all memory. There was one word that remained intact in my mind and it was body. I remember this word body, but I remembered no other words. I couldn't speak. I had no access to the English language. And also, I was in, like, a void, you know? I totally lost all memory of this idea that I was some sort of autonomous being with a sense of self. But I remembered this word body. It kind of was, like, repeating in my head. Body. Because I think in my head, I was like, okay, maybe... (laughs) Maybe that's the thing I felt I had lost. Maybe as I was transitioning and breaking through, I was like, Bitch, you have a body? Where's your body go? I don't know. I remember this word. And then basically, it was terrifying. I was in like a giant warehouse, it felt like. I don't know how to describe it, but like the walls were fractals. And there was this giant, like fucking Hindu hand. <laughs> It kind of looked like the image in the thumbnail that I used Except less anthropomorphized It was basically like a hand And I don't think it even had a face But it felt anthropomorphic It felt like it had some sort of agency And was wanted something from me And it kept getting closer and closer And I was absolutely fucking terrified All I knew in verse was that I had a feeling of great anxiety. I could not remember the language at all. I couldn't remember where I had just been previously. I couldn't even remember the feeling of being an I at all. And this thing was getting closer to me, it felt like. But I don't even know where me began or ended. (laughs) It was terrifying. And also, the only noise I heard was like, which in retrospect, I think was the sound of my own breathing. So this is my only experience with DMT. I could probably go into more detail. Uh, I actually felt uh, when I talked to hippies about ego death and shit, this is something that I feel like this is what I relate my experience of ego death to because what is my ego if not everything that constitutes me, all of my memories, my ability to speak in complex language, which in my case is English, everything disappeared I was nothing I forgot everything all I was was what I imagine being some sort of a Boltzmann brain feels like like I'm conscious of something in this case the Hindu hand or whatever but I have no intact memory of anything not even the feeling that I possess my own body but this was not my experience with the DMT elves which is weird because I wasn't on DMT when I experienced the DMT elves and maybe you could call this thing I experienced the, the Hindu hand <laughs> also a DMT elf because in reading descriptions of these things you know some of them are described as being kind of like this image in the thumbnail this like fractal being which this Hindu hand I met totally was but it didn't speak to me or show me anything I just felt like it wanted something from me and was getting closer and I felt utterly fucking terrified but my experience with the machine elves or the thing that I think sounds more like what a lot of people meet when they meet the machine elves was actually on New Year's one day a few years ago I forget which I was eating mushrooms all day long, tripping balls, watching, walking the, um, the High Line in, uh, where is it? Chelsea? Lower East Side? I don't know. What's this thing called? I think it's called the High Line, where it's like a, it's like an above the ground path that you can walk through all of these various, like, buildings in New York City. You go on some, like, roofs through various gardens, all of these different kind of areas. I think they might, it might connect to a certain museum or something. I was eating mushrooms all day having a great time walking the high line with some friends and then when night came we were like well let's go to a bar or something uh you know to um to uh celebrate the fucking new year so we get to this bar and I had already been done tripping but I was trying to chase the trip like an idiot wasting mushrooms and I decided I would eat some more so I did I also smoked some weed And I think I got a beer (laughs) and I was sitting at the bar and this fucking magician comes up to me, I guess he said he was a magician and he's like, I'm going to show you a magic trick. (laughs) I was like, okay, sure. Go for it. I was so tired. I remember being so tired and I think that this is an important detail because what happened next is pretty crazy. I was really tired. I was watching this guy do his magic trick. It involved something like a ring. Like he was showing me how he could make the ring he was wearing disappear from his finger and be transferred onto his other finger. And I remember him doing this trick and like, I feel like he fucked it up. I don't know. I remember a sense of like horror, like seeing him trying to move this ring on his finger and I felt like he was bleeding. I don't know. This is really not connected, but this is one of the last things I remember. And then... All of a sudden, I I was there in the space, and then all of a sudden, I was no longer there. It was like, I felt like I went into hyperspeed, like you know in Star Wars, when they kick the fucking Millennium Falcon into gear, and everything's like white, and it's like... <laughs> That's what happened to me. I was standing there and then I felt like I was moving at massive speed. Like, I don't even know where. And I remember picking up my hands to look at them in front of my face. And they were glowing white hot. Like, it was like my hands were on white fire. And then I looked around and I saw these three little fucking machine elves. (laughs) I guess. They were, like, these three little whimsical motherfuckers floating alongside me, and I realized that we were, like, in the space outside of the earth. Like, I saw the earth. (laughs) This is so hard to describe. We were all, like, floating in space, me and these little fucking whimsical motherfuckers that I think... Are what a lot of people. Uh, it basically they they fit the description of the DMT else to a fucking T. And they were showing me without language, but communicating to me to like look, and I looked and I saw the world like. At moving at hyperspeed and I saw the pyramids being built, I also saw the pyramids being destroyed. I saw baroque architecture like being constructed in hyperspeed like a time-lapse video and being destroyed. Basically, it seems like they were showing me like, look, the history of the world, I'm the DMT elves, blah, 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 blah. It fit the DMT elf description to a fucking T and at a certain point I was like, What the fuck is going on? I know I'm not supposed to be here. That's all I could, like, remember. And then it was, like, all of a sudden, it was, like, swoop. And I got ripped out of my, uh, playdate with the DMT elves. And I was being dragged by bar security across the ground out of the bar going, what the fuck? (laughs) It was crazy. Apparently... The people who had witnessed this I passed out I like fell off of the bar stool I guess and I got dragged out of this bar but in my head I didn't pass out in my head I was there and then all of a sudden I was in hyperspeed with the DMT elves and I've told this story to many people and they basically assert to me yes it sounds like you met the fucking DMT elf so that's my story for club member Kingsley who was asking about it i don't know if the first hindu hindu hand uh entity thing qualifies as being a machine elf but i think it probably would have you guys ever experienced the dmt elves by the way have you guys met them i know many people have met them and if you have met them were you on dmt or something else like myself let's talk about it but um (coughs) um But, but, but. And this is part of why I wanted to go to talk I like talking about these topics even though I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast know that I find these sorts of things silly I think maybe I offer a unique perspective here because a lot of people will have these kinds of experiences and be like okay I met the DMT elves what does this mean now what you know and I have to admit that when it first happened to me I became incredibly incredibly curious about this situation and I too started to go down a sort of rabbit hole that maybe I haven't entirely emerged from because I do think that there is compelling things to explore here, but I don't personally believe that I met any sort of DMT machine elves that exist necessarily. I don't know. I know that I had this experience, but I don't know exactly what happened and when it first happened to me I started to think like and I think a lot of people think of these kinds of things probably Terrence McKenna fanboys and the like and probably Terrence McKenna himself though I'm not sure exactly what his conclusion was is was he's dead now about the DMT elves machine elves but I was starting to feel like, okay, well, what are the chances that all of these disparate people with nothing in common could have this shared experience of these similar beings behaving in a similar way? That seems all too coincidental and curious for me. But when you compare it to other sort of similar parapsychological phenomena things like seeing ghosts you know like we know from speaking to a caller the other day of uh, telling us about his dad having ghost stories that are pretty convincing and all these other people's first person hearing, first person accounts with uh ghosts and shit or what they call ghosts and also um various phenomena aliens There's all sorts of compelling theories that I think are worth exploring just as much as the theory that perhaps we all have some sort of baseline memory of these DMT elves. Because this is a popular theory and one that I pursued for a bit when I was (laughs) going a little too ham on my DMT elf lore. This theory that uh, perhaps We all have this sort of subliminal shared memory of meeting these beings, arguably our very own creators. And this memory is almost like in our genetic code itself and can be accessed by doing things like partaking in DMT and other psychedelic material substances, Uh, (laughs) which is a compelling theory, but so is the idea that... Perhaps the reason we have these shared experiences of these little fucking creatures... Or even seeing fractal beings and feeling as if they possess some sort of intentionality or agency could also have to do with the fact that as humans, isn't it true that we anthropomorphize all types of visual stimuli? I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes when I feel like I see something in the corner of my eye or when I have moments of visual trickery I often feel like I see a person do you guys relate to this at all like if I think I see something out of the corner of my eye by the fridge or something it's often that I think it's like a person standing isn't that kind of curious that a lot of people seem to have this kind of a feeling because wouldn't it stand to reason That if I perceive something standing by me or perceive something in the corner of my eye or in my peripheral vision, why does it seem that more often than not, my first thought is that it's a person? It's a being. You know what I'm saying? Why is it never a butterfly or a giant bunny or, I don't know, a lamp? Like, why does my brain automatically go to... It's a person. There's been a few times I also thought someone was sitting in my car because, like, the glare of the windshield is weird. And I'm like, what? Is someone in my car? Like, why does my mind always go to there being some sort of person or autonomous being, an entity, if you will? Do I think that that's coincidental? Or do I think that maybe that has something to do... With my actual human physiology. And... Uh, Anyone who listens to this podcast also knows probably that I'm incredibly skeptical also of the institutions of psychiatry and psychology. I take everything I read from psychiatric research with a grain of salt. I don't trust this institution at all. I think it's uh, very corrupt, very full of bad philosophies. It's basically half-baked philosophy meets half-baked neuroscience. And then you have this entire body of work uh not to shit on good psychiatrists because i think they do exist but i feel like for the most part psychiatry is like underdeveloped philosophy meeting underdeveloped uh neuroscience that being said if you look at (laughs) studies that have been done on this uh phenomena of anthropomorphizing uh what what would you call it this kind of uh Oh, I'm blanking. Hold on. Let me have a sip of coffee. What what would you call objects? (laughs) My brain is not going there right now. Hold on. I don't know. But everyday objects. Everyday shapes, even. There has been research uh, specifically by, and I found this via the Wikipedia for anthropomorphism. I'm being lazy today. But... Apparently, there has been studies. This one I'm looking at right now was conducted in 1944 by Fritz Heider and Marius Simmel. I'll read the summary right now for you on this Wikipedia. We we should all look into the actual study itself instead of uh, trusting Wikipedia, which is also corrupt and sinister and lying to us. But I'll read this real quick. Um... In psychology, the first empirical study of anthropomorphism was conducted in 1944 by Fritz Heider and Marion Simmel. In the first part of this experiment, the researchers showed a a two-and-a-half-minute-long animation of several shapes moving around on the screen in varying directions at at various speeds. When subjects were asked to describe what they saw, they gave detailed accounts of the intentions and personalities of the shapes. For instance, the large triangle was characterized as a bully, chasing the other two shapes until they could trick the large triangle and escape. The researchers concluded that when people see objects making motions for which there is no obvious cause, they view these objects as intentional agents. I find this quite fascinating. I don't know about you guys, but I think that looking at these kinds of studies, you know, can definitely. Hi, Rachel. These kinds of studies can definitely offer us some insights or at least uh, some compelling things to think about when we're trying to sit here and analyze our psychedelic experiences with entities, quote unquote, such as the machine elves. Because a lot of what, uh, you know... A lot of what people say their machine elves look like. We all have our own machine elves. Which should get your uh, red flags going anyway. Like, oh, so they all look different? That's interesting, isn't it? But I mean, to look at this thumbnail image that I've chosen. This is a fucking fractal-ass thing. <laughs> With a face on it, you know? If there's been studies conducted where people start to feel as if even animations of shapes have personalities themselves and intentional actions, wouldn't it stand to reason that when you are tripping balls out of your fucking mind on DMT, seeing all types of shapes moving, that you will also begin to anthropomorphize some of this kind of visual stimuli and i am not saying that that is exactly what's happening maybe it's possible that we do have some sort of genetic memory of these dmt elves and that is what we're experiencing but if we want to be truly scientific truly rational truly critical thinkers then we must try our best to horizontalize everything that we think we know about everything and draw no conclusions we must halt my brothers, my sisters, at making conclusions. And this would probably be my core thesis. When people ask me about all of these things, why must you, why do you feel such a strong need to draw conclusions? Maybe this itself is physiological, you know, the idea that as we see and are presented with information we want to make something of it so we can advance to the next step this is kind of how rationale works period have all logical processes work period right i've said this before but i think that it's the fact that rational thought is named reason is very poignant because how do we reason how do we work through logical arguments you are presented with a thing and then you have to come up with a reason for the thing and present to the next thing, you know? Why do I perceive this thing as this? Because this thing is this. What is the reason I perceive this apple as being red? The apple is red. Let's advance to the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Perhaps this too is physiological, the need to make a conclusion before advancing to the next step. You have to find a reason for this before you find a reason for that. Yada yada yada. But when it comes to this sort of a thing, like why would I why would I hold myself here and draw a conclusion? when I don't think that there's any reason to. There's all sorts of different possibilities and I want to entertain them all at first equally and then I want to go with what is more likely. To talk about things like anthropomorphizing or creating stories around certain visual stimuli, I mean, this is something that's said a lot too about people who uh, have stories about being abducted by aliens and, you know, not to get dark. But I don't think it's a coincidence. And I'm not saying that this is true for all people who have experienced these sorts of things. But I don't think it's a coincidence that so many alien stories have to do with being anally penetrated have to do with being vaginally penetrated having um what sounds like uh encounters with some sort of like sexual assault situation like why would that be and then and then you hear these accounts of what these aliens look like and they're just kind of eyes And a nondescript face. This has been a theory put forth by certain psychiatrists, and again, we should be critical of psychiatrists too, but I think that there is definitely something compelling to this theory that perhaps what a lot of people are recounting when it comes to their experiences with aliens, especially as they relate. Uh, stories of being penetrated forcibly and uncomfortably that perhaps what some of these people are experiencing is some sort of sexual assault and what they are doing with the faces of their assaulters are sort of disassociating from them especially since we know that so much sexual assault happens in the home by people that we think are our most loved and trusted figures it makes sense that you would want to disassociate yourself entirely from that knowledge you know it could very well be some sort of a traumatic response mechanism like I need to separate myself from this situation and from the knowledge of this situation so what my brain instead comes up with is something that is actually somewhat accessible we're all witness to these stories of grey aliens and being abducted being forcibly penetrated by them all of these things you know if you are aware of this kind of a story then perhaps it makes sense that your mind goes there and this makes me think of things like archetypes stories of which Rachel, I know you're here. You love archetypes and metaphors because you're Canadian or whatever. This makes me think of that kind of a thing, you know, like stories of aliens. We're all aware of them. I think it kind of makes sense. Assuming, of course, that this theory that many people who are uh, describe themselves as abductees are victims of sexual assault. Like this kind of makes sense to me that they uh, many of them gravitate to this sort of a story. Um, speaking of aliens, I'll, I'll share another story I have. <laughs> Debbie Friday asked me yesterday if I had stories and sorry if this is like narcissistic or self-indulgent, but I know that some people like this sort of thing. So I'll just tell it. I saw a UFO once actually, and it was very convincing to me. I saw, uh, I was in Death Valley, Nevada camping, uh, shooting a video for somebody And uh, I was with a friend, too, who saw it as well. And basically what it was, was it looked at first like there was like a lightning storm in the sky. It was like, but it was like isolated. It didn't look, it wasn't like the sky was cloudy. I don't think it was cloudy at all. But there was like a little area where there was like a lightning storm happening, it looked like. And then I saw this ship. And it looked like the classical flying disc, kind of, but it didn't look hard. It looked sort of amorphous, like it was made out of jelly or something. Like, it looked like it was kind of vibrating. I don't know how many of you have seen, um, what's it called? Flight of the Navigator? (laughs) Where the machine is made out of this, like, sort of, it almost looks like liquid. It kind of looked like that, like a jello disc or something and then like the lightning around it kind of intensified and it looked like really warbly like like it was vibrating really fast and it kind of turned into like this like amorphous jelly and then it zipped away and then it stopped on a fucking dime and that's the thing that really freaked me out because I can rationalize that like okay this thing might maybe this is visual trickery I I'm, i don't want to misquote this if this is wrong but you know apparently the fastest drone that exists that I think the US army owns or something apparently the fastest drone that exists can fly across the entire span of the United States of America horizontally in a matter of I think it's like 12 minutes which sounds wrong I might be misquoting this because that just sounds crazy but what regardless whatever the speed is it's really fucking fast so I've talked about this before and I forget where but like I mean put your hand in front of your face and vibrate it like are can you really see it? It looks like my hand is made of jello. It looks like my hand is vibrating. Like my hand is not some amorphous jello alien thing. I know that my eyes cannot perceive every millisecond of movement where my hand is, you know. It becomes to it starts to look like a blur or something. So it stands to reason that when I'm looking at this UFO thing that I see, If it looks all amorphous and jelly-like, and there's lights going on, like I don't, I know right away that that is not proof of anything, right? Like, if a drone can fly this fast, if a drone really can fly 12 across the span of the United States in 12 minutes, then there is no way that my eyes can register that movement. So it makes sense to me that there is flying aircraft that looks weird when it's flying, right? Right? that seems very plausible what did freak me out i have to say was first of all the lightning i don't know what the lightning was about that's just weird to me like what is this is this some fucking like magnet shit but i'm not a natural scientist and i'm not even good at natural science something i'm trying to improve but um (laughs) rachel but uh what was i just saying fuck But that was weird to me and what was also weird to me was how fast it could stop but i believe i looked it up and i think that some of these really fast drones can stop pretty uh pretty pretty quickly too it freaked me out but anyway if you ask me what i conclude about this uh experience i will tell you i conclude nothing I don't fucking know. And this is why I like to talk about this with people because I've had people say to me that they find me very peculiar, somebody with all of these experiences. I've met the DMT elves, I've uh I've seen my face morph in the mirror into a million different faces. I've fucking I've experienced things with other people I felt like were maybe psychic phenomena. I've I said, seen UFOs. I've had all types of experiences, but I don't validate them. And I think that that bothers certain people. I've had people say to me, Buttress, you are denying. This knowledge, like, they act as if it's some, like, affront, like a moral affront. I am just so in denial, I'm so bitter, I'm so jaded, I'm so close-minded by refusing to validate my own experiences and say, Yes, the DMT elves are real because I've seen them. Yes, UFOs are real because I've seen them. Yes, blah 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 fucking blah because I've seen it. I don't trust my interpretation of these experiences like this and people call me close-minded but I think I think you are close-minded I think it is close-minded to have any of these sorts of amazing experiences and draw a conclusion when you draw a conclusion and you say okay Because I've met the DMT elves, the DMT elves are real. Or because I've seen a ghost, ghosts are real. All of these things. When you do this, you are being, in my opinion, incredibly close-minded because you are closing yourself off to possibility. You're closing yourself off to the possibility that perhaps what you experienced was not what it immediately presented to you as, especially since we know from studies such as the one I was just reading about where humans are apt to even... Uh, anthropomorphize triangles and shapes uh, and assign them personalities like being a bully because perhaps this is some sort of human instinct perhaps this also has to just do with you know uh, being socialized in this way since birth we attribute a lot of certain actions and shit just by way of our very language and structures of logic as having some sort of intentionality where it might not even exist things like this you know like, if I know all of these things are true, then why would I close myself off to the possibility that these things are just as likely compelling? So I actually think that people who are super into the supernatural, the paranormal, all of these things, I personally feel as if they're incredibly close-minded. And I genuinely feel this way. I hate when people tell me I'm close-minded because I fail to validate these experiences at faith value uh i'm not i think i'm incredibly open-minded because i refuse to draw any conclusions i want to actually keep my i want to be as open-minded as possible so i want to be open to anything perhaps it's psychological trickery perhaps it's real perhaps anything you know what i'm saying i'm truly open-minded uh, because this is something people always say, like you would believe it if you'd experienced what I'd have experienced. you know, Christians always say this, and so do these fucking hippies out here, these DMT people and shit. like you would know if you experienced that you just have to open your mind to the experience like bitch, explain me then. I have something else that's really interesting. This is my most interesting and uh compelling. Uh, experiences with anything that someone might call parapsychological, but I don't believe that it's parapsychological at all. And it's annoying because when I tell this to other people, they always go on some like, oh my God, consciousness. You did this with your consciousness bullshit. But what I'm describing, I'm pretty sure is just um experiencing some sort of weird neurological hiccup. So basically, (laughs) I'm somebody who has a history of migraines. This is important. I have a history of like really bad migraines and also abnormal MRIs. Like I had back when I had health insurance, I had migraines so bad that I, uh, ended up getting two separate brain scans with some strange results i'm not a neuroscientist so i don't know exactly like what is going on maybe if any of you are a neuroscientist you could explain this to me but apparently i have like a lot of like white spots like i don't know like uh, i forget what they're called but as you age you get these sorts of white spots naturally and apparently i have a ton of them already and this was a while ago that i got this brain scan so i probably have even more now great I don't know old people have these shits and also I'm apparently at some sort of a heightened risk for uh communicating hydrocephalus which is like water on the brain and if it ever became a thing I guess they got to put a fucking thing in my head maybe this is why my head is so big because I know people who get hydrocephalus actually have like an expanded head so shit I'm not there yet but anyway that's just my like medical background a little bit But the first time I ever smoked weed (laughs) in high school, or maybe not the first time. No, it wasn't the first time. It was one of the first times. I got so high, and uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't hear what anyone was saying. It sounded like everything was static, like through a... Bad channel on the radio. You know what I'm saying? When you're listening to the radio and it's all like super warbled. It sounded like that. What I saw people's mouths moving, but it sounded like, uh, they were fucking yeah, like through a radio uh, underwater, really staticky. And it was, like, terrifying. I was, like, yelling. Like, I can't hear you. Like, people were talking and I heard them. But I couldn't make out what they were saying because it was so fucking staticky. And then I noticed a plastic bag on the floor. Like, one of these shitty plastic bag w- <laughs> bags. I noticed a plastic bag on the floor. And I sat on it. And the sound went away. And this is like the weirdest story for me to recall, because I was high as hell. I was in high school. I just thought it was like a rare isolated incident. I didn't know what to make of this story. Like for a while, I was like, well, I guess I heard the vibrations from the plastic bag being amplified for some reason and my brain latched onto it. And that's why all I could hear was these fucking vibrations. I don't know, dude, it tripped me out. I just didn't know what to make out of it until it happened again uh when i was in i was at work uh at a hospital that i used to work at and something similar happened where i was just walking there was a kid singing like um i don't know like a whole way away from me. Some little fucking kid was like singing a little stupid fucking song. And then all of a sudden I could hear nothing else. All I could hear was this kid singing. I I saw other things happening around me. But I couldn't hear anything. Only this fucking kid singing a fucking song. I had like a quick moment of panic. And then it went away. And that's not the worst one though. The worst one and my final one I'll tell is this one. Um, I, I think... It was my birthday. I was in class. Uh and I I remember cuz it was my birthday. I was in class. I was sitting down listening to the teacher. It was my class on radiation, uh taught by I think her name was Katherine Sheffer. Shout out to you. She's awesome. She's like a nuclear physicist that um lived in Antarctica for a while studying some sort of radiation bullshit. She's really fucking smart. Anyway, I was in class taking this radiation class. And, uh, all of a sudden, I felt, I heard the roof collapsing. That's what I thought. I heard the fucking roof caving in. It was like, like, so loud. And I was looking around like, where the fuck is this coming from? Nobody else was reacting. I was like, no one else can hear this. I was panicking. And then all of a sudden, as I'm looking around, this happened over the span of seconds. It's very short. All of a sudden, as I'm looking around, I see someone typing on their keyboard, and as soon as I had the visual registration of the person typing on their keyboard, it was like, and it sucked out, and I the sound went back to a normal amplification. What I was hearing was the sound of someone typing on their keyboard, but it was amplified so greatly in my head that I could not hear anything else. It literally sounded like it was blasting at me. Isn't that crazy? See, and somebody who would be more given, I think, to like spiritual type beliefs which I was a little bit at the time, I started to think that maybe I possess some sort of like crazy superpower. Like I was like tapping into some sort of telekinetic like energy field, like (laughs) I don't know. I definitely went down that path a little. I was also abusing the fuck out of stimulants. This is the first time I had to quit stimulants because I kind of convinced myself that I was like becoming some sort of phenomenological like God and actually if you read uh, Philip K. Dick's writing, This is the danger of speed, guys. (laughs) This is the danger of speed and being somewhat of a nerd. Because when you do too much speed, when you're interested in these sorts of things, you start to come up with crazy narratives and uh, convince yourself of all types of bullshit. And Philip K. Dick was somebody who did this. Uh, Read his writings, some of the last writings before he died, after he did sodium thiopental, I think, at the dentist's office. This man was bugging. He thought the FBI was chasing him. I was kind of on this sort of a wave, but believing that I had tapped into some sort of, like, phenomenological skill set. But anyway, as I uh, grew up a bit and calmed down a bit, I found out that there's this thing called... Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which is such a terrible name, also known as Todd syndrome or dysmatropsia. Somebody actually showed me this on Twitter a while ago. Shoutouts to you. And it is associated with migraines and brain tumors, which is great because apparently brain tumors run in my family on my biological father's side, which I wouldn't know about because he doesn't <laughs> accept that I exist God damn it, I want to know if I have a brain tumor, but anyway, apparently this is a thing that people experience, the amplification of certain sounds that actually exist, but you hear them louder than everybody else, you know, and I'm willing to accept this sort of an explanation for what I'm going through, but it's frustrating, and maybe this is part of why I rail out so hard at, like, the fucking people who just want to tell me, like, magic exists, and you can manifest this in your consciousness, and maybe you just have have a gift. I've been told this when I tell people this story. Maybe you have a gift. Suck my fucking dick. I probably have a brain tumor and you're lying to me. I need help. Like, what the fuck? I hate this when people try to act like all of these things that really there's no reason to gravitate to this idea that you have a gift. You're some sort of an X-Man with telekinetic powers over looking at articles like this about the Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which might also be bullshit because I don't trust psychiatry at all, you know. But like, there's all types of compelling directions you can go into. So basically, don't tell me I have a fucking gift. This is basically my conclusion <laughs> about all of this stuff. Not my conclusion because I don't draw conclusions. My conclusion is that drawing conclusions is bad, especially as it relates to this kind of a thing. Because if you want to be open minded, if you want real answers, which a lot of people presume to want, especially about like the forces of consciousness and will AI gain sentience and uh, do I have a gift, all of these things, are UFOs real? Are aliens really out here touching my butt? If you want to. truly be open-minded which a lot of these people claim to be then you need to open your mind to the possibility that you are full of shit and you don't know shit right and this is something I've talked about many times before too and I won't go back into it really but you know I think it's really important to think about what underlies a lot of these discussions when people say like that trying to be more scientific more rational or whatever is to be closed-minded i think that it's really really important to think here about what exactly the distinction being made is because i personally outright reject this distinction when people say and this is why they tell me i think that i'm closed-minded they say that uh you know science can't prove anything everything like it's like disparaging to science but what is science science is only a thing a descriptive language that aims to describe external phenomena about our experience of the world in a way that can become comprehensive and consistent as a self-enclosed system right and how it does this is with empirical evidence empirical only meaning that which can be observed and isn't it hypocritical then for people to say that using empirical observation is closed-minded when this is exactly what they're doing as well? When you say, I know this thing is true because I experienced it, I observed it, how is that in any way contradictory to the philosophy of natural science itself? To talk about it as if it is, is such a farce and a lie. Really what they're saying I'm not even cognizant of themselves is that they admire the baseline mechanism of science, which is that I observe a thing and then draw a conclusion and paint some ideas, try to try to draw a picture of what's happening. They they admire that mechanism and believe that it's useful, but they don't want to do the work of all of the other of of of. Basically following all of the other rules that leads us to the best conclusions, if we can make any, if any conclusions are to be made. They want to ignore all the hard work, all the thinking, all of the difficulty in following all of the other rules of science which we came up with for reasons that also come from our empirical observations. You know what I'm saying? We need to reject this distinction people always try to make between science and spiritualism it's not there there's no there's nothing different about seeing a UFO and saying therefore UFOs exist than seeing a uFO uh and saying <laughs> and saying, I am going to study this phenomena further and see." If I think UFOs exist, because maybe it's also a drone. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Really, all that has, the only difference between these two modes of thinking is one person has drawn a conclusion incredibly prematurely and is being close-minded. That's it. That's it. What do you guys think? I've been talking for 50 minutes. I'm going to get out of here. I just wanted, while I was still on the topic (laughs) to, uh, to do it. It all relates. It all relates you know like to this other upload I did about consciousness this kind of a thing happens all the time people always want to drop premature conclusions like you know I feel that my consciousness is a is a singular entity that can that can uh move stuff and uh so it is because I've experienced something that makes me feel this way shut up suck my dick fuck (laughs) you says dude magic is mostly phenomena that we don't understand fully it's just science we haven't discovered you know i will say fuck you that this is possible and it's also possible in the interest of being open-minded that this is not true either you know Because I understand why you're saying this, and I absolutely agree. We talked about it the other day, ghosts. If ghosts exist, science will be able to describe them, right? That's absolutely true. But I'm not going to put faith in the idea either that ghosts exist, science just can't describe them yet or hasn't gone in that direction. It's also true that ghosts don't exist. It's also true that all of the things we think might exist a real legitimate natural phenomena that uh we just haven't come up with any sort of natural science classifications for to describe yet it's also true that it's also possible rather that these things might be some sort of trickery they might represent some sort of cognitive bias you know So I'm not going to say either way. I I think what you just said, not to disparage you, but you said magic is mostly phenomena that we don't understand fully. You also are drawing a conclusion right there. And I would say that that is premature. I think it's absolutely possible, but I would not want to close myself off to possibility and say such a statement definitively. You feel me? I just don't wanna go there. Why would I go there? I, I, I wanna be as open-minded as possible. So I'm open also to the possibility that such statements are made through some sort of cognitive bias. And I actually assume that they are being made through some sort of cognitive bias because why would you draw that conclusion? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you answer that question? Not to put you on the spot, but why do you conclude that? When I would say that conclusions here are entirely premature. I don't think any conclusions can or should be drawn about any of this stuff. That's that's what I would post to you. So I guess that's what I'll post to all of you as I get out of here. You know. Uh, we should all be. And look, I'm guilty of this too. Absolutely. I, have a, I definitely have a boner for a lot of this stuff. And I could. I could talk about it at length, Uh, some of the rabbit holes I've gone down myself, and I still have to catch myself and stop myself, and maybe that's part of why I'm also invested in these things. I I know that I am given to fancy (laughs) and hyperbole, as many of us are, you know. I think we should all be interrogating ourselves. Every statement you make with even an ounce of assertion, assertiveness, is conclusory in a way, you know? So we should be interrogating all statements that we make, even if it seems sort of vague. You know, I think oftentimes we are closing ourselves off to possibilities in ways that we don't even recognize yet. And we want to be cognizant of all of the brick walls that we're building for ourselves uh, when we think about such things. Not just these things, but all things, you know? We really don't want to make... Any statements, any premature conclusions, even if it doesn't feel like a conclusion, you know, because it's so easy to go into all these various directions based on a previous statement. Like I was saying earlier, you make a statement and then you advance to the next one, you know, but sometimes we go back and examine our trajectory of reasoning and find that very early on we made a flawed statement, a statement that created a premature conclusion and now i have spent years going down this direction where one of my very foundational premises is flawed great i gotta build my whole world view over again we don't want to do that we don't want to make such beginner mistakes right so let's all be mindful everybody of where we're doing this and try our best not to do this And part of how we can do this is investigate the language that we use to make statements, period. Everyone should be practicing their E-prime usage. See how good you can get at talking in E-prime and also see how talking in E-prime affects your very psyche. How you begin to see the world feel about the world. Phenomenology itself is a language. It is a science, a descriptive language about conscious experience itself. The more you immerse yourself in this language, the more you see that your very perception of your conceptualization of the world at large around you actually begins to be genuinely transformed in a way that I think is beneficial and also can be scary. Sometimes when you become so op- open to possibility, you realize that, like, wow, well, wow, well, how can I even build any sort of definitive criteria for how to navigate the world, period? I'm just going to become a fucking Boltzmann brain with no opinions of my own. It's very scary, but it's fun, like Brett has just said, and it's good, and it's good because it is necessary. So do the fucking work, okay? And give me a thumbs up please because i love you (laughs) i fucking love you thanks guys i hope that this was fun i hope you're all washing your hands i hope you're all smoking dmt uh, with a helmet on (laughs) don't smoke alone because you might start a fire on your own shirt if you drop the pipe i don't know if you use matches you might light your shirt on fire that's dangerous Put your helmet on, give me a thumbs up, smoke that DMT, and if you see the machine elves, you better ask them what the fuck they think they're doing. Who the fuck you think you are coming to me in my fucking DMT dream, talking all your shit with your stupid fractal fucking face. I'll shatter you. I'll shatter you. And that's that. Amen. I'll speak to you all later. Be blessed.